All right, if you are a realtor looking to grow your business by working with investors and house hackers to help them find financial freedom, this is the show for you. We are with an agent and an investor in the Chicago market that owns over 100 units and has flipped over $40 million in properties, and he's going to tell us how to connect with investors right now. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. I am sitting here with Tom Shalcross with Second City. He is also an investor-friendly agent and the co-host of Straight Up Chicago Investor Podcast and a father of four. Tom, thank you so much for being here. We'd love to jump right into it, man. If I wanted to start working with investors right now, what would the approach be to connect with them? Tim, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I think if, you, uh, if you're an agent out there and this is an angle that you're looking to play, you know, first and foremost, you need to educate yourself. You can't be out there as a fraud, right? You either need to be an investor yourself or dive deep into the area and understand these are rental numbers. These are rehab numbers. These are what things are trading at. You know, these are typical price per unit costs. You need to know that information because your investor is going to know that, right? And if you're not, if you don't have anything additional to add to the equation, there's not going to be a reason for anyone to lean on you or to choose you. Right. So you, you need to make the decision up front. Are you going to put in that work and put in that grind to understand all that stuff? And if so, great. If not, then look at another option. This, this is a problem that doesn't get solved by, you know, sending out postcards. Right. You can't you can't market your way or uh, I guess I should say market your way or use money to solve this problem. Like you need to have the goods. You need to have the information if an investor is really going to work with you, because otherwise you will be found out very quickly. That is absolutely true. Um, when you're talking with investors, you know, most of them aren't super realtor friendly. Uh, most of them don't like realtors at all. I tend to hear a lot of um, shade being thrown at, at realtors from investors. And it's because of what you just said. A lot of realtors don't understand rental numbers. They don't understand cap rates and things of that nature, which is going to make it difficult to work with these investors, because if you don't know that, they're not going to want to work with you. So let's say somebody's listening right now and they're totally green. They don't know any of this stuff. What would you recommend them that they do in order to learn this information? Find someone who's doing it, right? Find someone who's a successful investor agent and, and talk to them. Where did you get started? You know, what, what knowledge did you consume? What do you do on a daily basis? How do you keep strengthening those muscles? Right. And just copy it or, or, or bastardize it and make it your own. But one way or another, figure out what are the things that you were supposed to be doing to be successful and then go do them. Right. There's no there's no secret formula. Right. There, it's it's pretty straightforward. It's just are you willing to go in there and do those tasks? Are you willing to go in there and look at rents every single month and then compare them to last month to see how it's trending? What's selling? What finishes are needed to make sure that that listing is still not sitting there in 30 days? Right. If you if you understand that information, and you put in the time and put in the reps, you will you will be a valuable asset to investors without question. So I happen to be sitting with an extremely successful investor right now. 
So what does your day-to-day -day look like? What kind of activities are you looking to accomplish every single day to make sure that you're still crushing it like you have been? There's a lot in that question, you know, both from the agent side and from the investor side. You know, from just my, my outlook as someone who's an agent who also helps investors, you know, we've been fortunate. I've, I've spent, you know, three years with my, with my partner, Mark Ainley, you know, building out the Straight Up Chicago Investor Podcast. And, you know, one of the byproducts of that is we have a platform now. People find us. They, they know my story. They, they hear me on a weekly basis talk about the good and the bads of some of my investments. So, you know, we leverage that platform. Someone who might be green doesn't have that opportunity or doesn't have that in their back pocket. So they might have to do a little bit more grinding, right? They might have to go to a lot more networking events. They have to put themselves out, out there, writing blogs, whatever it is. But one way or another, you have to put in that time. So to directly answer your question, we spend a lot of time making sure that the podcast is running smoothly. I spend countless amount of hours just analyzing deals, even deals that are no, nowhere near going to pencil, just to understand where sellers' heads are at, where the market is at. And that's both for me as someone who's looking to invest and someone who's looking to help investors. Um, you know, we typically have, call it five to six projects going on. So I'm, I'm in the field. I'm there every day. I'm knocking on neighbors' doors. Like we're in the community. We're, we're active. And all these little things, none of them are bulletproof. Hey, you do this, you're successful. But you add it all up and you do it every single day. And then year over year, it's okay. This is, you know, you're going to start to see the results you, you want. And you're going to start to see what works and what doesn't and, and evolve from there. So you said having the podcast running smoothly is an important part of your business. So I would love to know how you've been able to leverage the podcast in order to create more business. Admittedly, we have not done a great job of monetizing this thing. Like we've done a, a great job of putting out wonderful content. The feedback we have, the reviews we have, it's awesome. You know, we're very proud of the product we put out there. We have never thought of it as, oh, this should be the the platform in our lead channel. And, you know, we're starting to realize that, you know, this thing's got a lot of opportunity. So admittedly, we haven't been, you know, a score of 100% there. But just as a byproduct of it, that's gotten me a lot of intros, a lot of calls. And then once you take that, you run with it. You show value, right? You, you, you are a go-giver. You're always just trying to provide value to others. And at some point, you just help them and they move on with their lives. Sometimes, though, that comes back and ends up being business. And you can't really be looking at the scoreboard. It's just go out there every single day with that intention. And things usually tend to take care of themselves. I would say podcasting is one of the best networking opportunities that there are right now because you essentially get to spend 30 minutes to an hour with somebody one-on-one. -on -one. And you're often talking them up and making them look good. So at the end of the podcast, they typically feel pretty good about the whole experience. And that's a great way to introduce yourself to somebody. So, I mean... From, for a worst case scenario, let's say you never monetize the podcast, I guarantee you've met tons of amazing people that you could produce income through, through another avenue, through the podcast. Um, so thank you for sharing. I love that you said um, being a go-giver is super important. Um, and I'm going to roll this into the next question because you mentioned going to networking events, which is also important. And having the go-giver mindset, I think, is extremely important when you're doing something like that. So if you were going to a networking events, how would you approach other investors with a value first proposition? I, I'm naturally curious. I just ask people questions. What are you looking to do? Where are you looking to invest? Why are you looking? I, you know, I don't want to say challenging. That's probably too tough of a word, but I'm, I'm just curious. And someone says, oh, I'm investing in this area. I'm usually like just naturally curious. Well, why? Why did you choose that area? Um, so a lot of times I'm I'm just asking questions and not really... You know, I think it's key not to go out there and, and say, 
hey, by the way, I can help you. I do this, 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 this. Like no one cares, right? There's enough of those people at these networking events. So it's just going out there, legitimately caring about what someone is saying to you, listening. And then if you have anything to provide value with, great. If not, no big deal. But you're, you don't go to a networking event and, and come out and be like, great, I got five good leads and we're going on these shows. That, it doesn't work that way, man. You go out there, you, you provide value, you, you, know, you unintentionally brand yourself. And some of these things come back around. Most don't, but some do. And, and you just roll with it from there. So one of my favorite phrases in sales is questions lead to confessions. Um, so we've actually interviewed a lot of detectives. And what they say is they are taught in school that the one asking questions is the one in control in a conversation. So I try to be very heavy on questions because it also shows that you care, um, <laughs> um, which is amazing. So um, anything else you would want to add to that? No, I'd say if, if someone's looking to get involved and do these meetups, like just put in the time and understand that some of these are going to be good. Some of them are going to be bad, but it's part of the process. It's part of the grind, right? If you're, one way or another, whether it be through a podcast or a blog, going to the meetups, like you have to put yourself out there. And again, you can't just go buy yourself and put it on a parking bench. If you're going to chase investors, it's a very specific market. You need to go where where your clientele is and, and, and be there constantly and show value. So, you know, I, I think it's, I, I think everyone wants to be in that state, but no one wants to put in that type of work. So when you're working with these investors, are you working exclusively on the MLS as an agent or are you looking for off-market deals to wholesale to them or do something like um, any other exit strategies that you might be using? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both, right? Like we're looking for, you know, if we can get something on market, off market through through other brokers who might have a pocket listing, you know, there's not one proven strategy. But if you looked at the deals I did last year, you know, it, it would check all those different boxes. You know, I, I'm personally, you know, I have two VAs who make phone calls for me, right? So they're, they're constantly calling owners of, you know, in, in Chicago, we have a huge housing stock of two to four units, right? It's, it's a 25% of our housing stock. And it's great for people looking to house hack, looking to get into the investment game. So, so we do get a little bit of leads generated that way. We get a little bit from just call, you know, those calls. I, anytime I see a for rent sign, I call it, right? And just say, Hey, you know, saw that you're for rent, you have a vacancy do you have any intention of selling in the near future? I have a stable of buyers looking to potentially buy here. You know, would you be interested in just having a quick 10 minute discussion to see what we could offer? Right. We've gotten a few deals that way. Um, a lot of times too, like I, I go to the commercial brokers. So in Chicago, we have a lot of mid market brokers here who do, you know, the eight units, the 20 units, the four unit courtyards, they get a four unit. They don't really care about it. Right. They just want it off their plate. So like, Hey, if you got a buyer there, great. Like let's, let's get a deal done. So, you know, it's a little bit of everything and it, you know, I never know what's working or, but you look at it, it holistically. It's like, okay, it, this is all come together and it usually, usually works out. So you mentioned working with house hackers a lot. So when you're working with a house hacker, they're typically going to be on the newer side, right? So how do you approach that conversation and how do you kind of lead the horse to water there if they're not like super convinced on the concept already? Yeah, I think one of the most important things, and, and people in general are scared to do this, but I, I will challenge their expectations and challenge their thinking, um, you know, because a lot of times they think, oh, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to do FHA, I'm going to put no money down, and I'm going to cash flow $600 a month, and it's going to be great. It's like, no, that's not how it works. It's three units, you're taking up a unit, you're putting no money down, so you have this high loan, you have PMI because you want to do FHA, 
and you have the least competitive financing offer from the seller's perspective compared to someone who's going 20% down or cash or whatever, right? Doesn't mean you can't get a deal done, but let's, let's level set here, right? So I think it's very important that you validate their expectations, you challenge your expectations, so there's clarity, right? I think the biggest thing that happens is people, the biggest driver of inactivity is that, that people don't have a clear understanding. They don't know what they should be looking for. They don't know what rents are going to be if they do this rehab. They don't understand, you know, what they sh their expectations should be if they're getting into just a, a house hack with low money down. And that is your job to provide the realistic numbers so there's clarity. And once there's clarity, it becomes a lot easier to move forward in the process. Do you have any marketing strategies to find these house hackers or to attract them towards you? Or is this just something you've built up over time? It's, it's definitely more of the latter. It's just built up from reputation. You know, a lot of it too is people know that I'm an investor here and I'm pretty heavy on the north and northwest side of Chicago. So, you know, I, I have, for lack of better words, street cred. Um, so a lot of it is more, you know, I, I've, I've done this for X amount of years now and I've, I've built that up with the podcast, with blogs and et cetera. What types of off-marketing strategies do you like to utilize? Like, for example, I'm, we've done a lot of direct mail. We've done a ton of driving for dollars and things of that nature. That's actually like, if you do that on the South side, you could find like 10 properties on a street. Um, it, it's not hard to do driving for dollars in Chicago. That is for sure. I'm just curious, what other strategies are you using? Are you kind of leaning in that direction also? Yeah, I'll, we, I put a lot of effort here and I feel I don't get a ton of results, but you know, direct mail has not worked for me. That doesn't mean direct mail doesn't work. I just haven't had it work for me. Right. Like, so I, I, I do mostly calling. Like I said, we have VAs, who, uh, virtual assistants who make calls. And then, you know, we're in the area all the time. I have, you know, a lot of units. And then we also have a lot of, you know, projects going on, whether they be flips or rehabbing, you know, apartments or whatever it is. So, you know, there's usually going to be those for rent sign the calls. In Chicago, there used to be the ordinance. You had to, you had to have your sign up as the property manager, right? So you, you, you drive by a two unit and it says, you know, own and managed by Tim Winfrey at this phone number. And just a quick call, say, hey, you know, down the block from you, do you have any interest in selling in the near future? Cool. You ever need anything from me? I have a list of contractors. Let me know, man. Right? And it's just no, you don't go in there guns a blazing. Just, hey, here's who I am. Let me know. And a lot of times, you know, unless you catch them at the right moment, they're not going to say anything. But then your phone rings nine months later, and all of a sudden you're having a conversation. And again, it's a low pull-through rate. But if you just do it every single day, you'll end up with the results that you need. Absolutely. I love that you have a VA doing your calls for you. I strongly encourage a lot of people to do that. Um, so are you buying lists of data for them to call? And if so, do you have any favorite types of lists that you like to buy? I've used ListSource. So I'm in the north. So taking a step back, I'm in the north and northwest side of Chicago. There is not a lot of distress. So the typical when you hear like, yep, you need to find, you know, people who are in pre foreclosure, you need to find you know, people who are behind their water bill doesn't really exist up here. A little bit of it, you know, maybe a little bit, but for the most part, people have their act together. So, you know, we do, if I'm in the area and we see something where, you know, windows haven't been changed out, the lentils are there, they have the old awnings, I'll just write that down, right? You write a few of those down every day and you end up with your driving for dollars and you scrub the information and take it from there. So a lot of it is organic. I have used list source before, you know, mainly see like who's owned the property since 1980 or before, right? Longtime mom and pop owner. And just because you know it's going to be free and clear, you know there's a chance that they're looking to get down to Florida or, or Arizona, and you know just to, to see if that's the the right the right pool to be uh or the right pond to be fishing in. 
So I, I've used list source. Um, a lot of it has been organically though, just, you know, adding a few lists to, uh, every day. You, you target the North Northwest side of Chicago. Anybody not familiar with the Chicago market, that is not a cheap area to be buying in. So just curious, what types of rehabs are you doing there? Are you going all out, um, to the nines or to the tens rather, are you popping tops on these bungalows? Or just give me an idea what your rehab process looks like since you're working in a, a more affluent area. The tens, baby, we, uh, we overdo it. <laughs> so, you know, we, we started flipping bungalows, right? Like that's, that's what we started. I, I born and raised, you know, in, in Portage and Dunning area. I live in Jeff park now. Um, I know I listened to some of your episodes. I found out you were at Irving and LeClaire. I was like, Oh, I got, I got properties right over there. I know this. <laughs> Um, but you know, that's where we started. And then it gets a little bit more competitive, right? There's a lot of people who can take that on. It's not a, it's not a high price point. It's not a hard rehab. And so where was the opportunity was to, you know, do the things that other people don't want to do. Right. So whether it be popping the top or, you know, in the last two years, we've done a lot of call it, you get a, a, you know, a, a two unit gravestone, you know, being deconverted in, and then selling that thing for anywhere from, you know, 1.3 to 1.6 mil, depending on where you are in the city. Right. And there's, there's been huge demand for those on oversized lots. So, you know, that's a big one for us, but we, we go all out. We, we typically have rehabs, you know, anywhere from call it, I'll call it 250 K to 500K. I, I figured um, that's kind of what you have to do up there. That's why I asked. Um, curious. Um, I get a lot of different responses to this one. Are you comfortable when you're pulling your comps to put your ARV higher than the than the highest sale in the neighborhood? Or are you going to put that as the baseline no matter what? Be like, okay, this might sell for more, but we're still going to project based on the highest comp in the neighborhood. Yeah, you, you got to go off the highest comp, even if you're pushing. And, and we're not the only ones doing this, right? So there are, you know, it's the north side of Chicago. Everyone's kind of pushing it to the nine. So there there is precedent. So there usually is pretty easy. The nice thing is like, it's usually easy uh, to look at comps. The other thing that's very helpful is what is new construction going for, right? Because if we can be 150K under new construction, we know we're in a good spot. If we just completely gutted something and basically delivered the same product and, you know, all of a sudden they got a little bit of a discount compared to that new construction, that's, we feel that's a very good spot to be in. Absolutely, man. Thank you for sharing. I totally agree with you. I've spoken with some other people that, that are totally comfortable going over the highest comp. And I'm just like, I would never do that. I don't, <laughs> even if I had 12 month comps, um, I just, I wouldn't do it. Um, so thank you for, for explaining that. Um, let's pivot a little bit here and let's talk some stories, man. Cause obviously you're flipping houses in Chicago. I know you got some horror stories. What What's the first thing that comes to mind? Horror story. Uh, so I, Everything we do is on the north side now. I did start on the south side, you know, and, and a lot of times vacant homes, right? You go into a vacant home, you need to be, be prepared that X amount of times it's not going to be vacant. <laughs> Bums, squatters, people partying, whatever that is, that is always a, it's always an adrenaline rush when you feel you're alone. You're supposed to be alone and you're not. And you the you don't know what's uh, on that other side there. Um, so, you know, best practices we always knock on the front door, knock on the back door, announce ourselves when we walk in, you know, uh, another property manager I know announces he's the city of Chicago. I think that's a good practice, right? Or say you're the cops or say something to grab their attention. Um, we had one though, the one in specific. So I was down in Pullman, little area in Chicago, the row homes there. So if you can picture the row homes, so brick to brick to brick, you know, you're, you're adjacent, you're adjacent to your neighbor there. 
And we had gone into a vacant property, check the back, go in the front, you know, normal protocol. Well, next door was squatters and they had actually, whether they were partying or whatever, knocked through the brick into this unit. And so like, there's just this party going on. And like, you could see right through this wall of, you know, the next, the next pin, the next parcel. And they're just there partying and like, Hey, what's up guys. And it's like, Oh, you know, this is like 10 of them, one of you. And you're like, all right, like, this is probably not a great situation to be in. Um, but any, any of those I think are, you know, best, even if you're on the North side, best practices, like you got to walk in with the assumption the house is not vacant and be prepared for it. I've run into squatters countless times. Usually they're harmless. You know, they're just trying to find a place to sleep, um, a place to do their drugs or whatever. Um, <laughs> but every once in a while you, you do have to call the police um, or you have to call the police to get them out of there anyways. Um, sometimes it can be threatening. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, you want to be cautious. Let somebody know where you're going, especially if you're going into supposedly vacant properties in the city of Chicago. It's quite likely that somebody is staying there anyways. Um, I just had a listing in Arcadia Terrace last year um, and they found a squatter moved in while it was on the market. Um, and that was on the north side. So it could be anywhere. <laughs> it could be anywhere. We we actually had a, Mike Baker is a wholesaler. He was talking about he had a property staged. They came in and had Thanksgiving dinner there a couple of years back. Like just lived it in as their home, slept on the cardboard beds. Like, you know, it came in like the day, the Friday after. And like, there's a family there. And you can tell they just, <laughs> they just had their meal there. And it's like, you know, you, Again, like we can laugh about it now, but like it is, you need to be cautious. A a a desperate person is someone with nothing to lose. Have you heard about the leasing scam that's going on? Um, this happened to a friend of mine. He actually he flipped a house, and what happened is it was under contract to close. And when they were doing the final walkthrough, there was a moving truck there, so they actually moved into the property illegally. They wrote a fake lease, and it became a problem to get them out. Um, and apparently this is a thing that's happening and growing in Chicago. I was just curious if you run into that yet, because you may. We we haven't run into that yet. We've seen the fake pay stubs. That, that's been very prevalent over the last 12 months. Um, we've seen like the stolen identities, right? So like you credit looks great. Everything matches up, but that's not the real person, right? They bought that on the black market. They bought that ID. They bought that social security number. And you find out it's not really them. So you always got to be cautious. You know, the nice thing about being in, like, call it an A neighborhood and doing high rehabs on, on the rentals, you're usually more times than not, you need to be aware of these problems, but you don't have them as much as you would compared to workforce housing or, you know, the CDD areas. Still, still need to be weary of it, but it's, a, it's less of an issue. Without question. Yeah, the north side is much nicer than West Garfield Park. That is for sure. Um, cool, man. So this is the Freedom Chasers podcast. Um, would love to hear what freedom means to you, Tom Shawcross. I Time is the first word that comes to mind, right? Like, am I able to, I, I have four children. Am I able to be at their events? Am I able to be there for pickup? You know, the greatest regret would be looking back 10, 20 years from now and being like, I should have been there for more, right? So am I in a situation where, yes, you still got to work hard. You have to grind. But can I do it in a way where it's, it's flexible and, you know, I'm doing it when they're at school. I'm not doing it during, you know, their basketball game. Time freedom is, is pretty much paramount for me as well. Also freedom of location. Not that I want to leave Chicago, but I don't want to be anchored here. Um, I'll always be here in some capacity. But, yeah, I mean, I don't want to throw the anchor down. I want time freedom. I want freedom of location and, you know, 
freedom of day to day. Eventually, that's what we're working towards. That's what the show is for. Um, all right, Tom. So we just crossed into the new year. What is your vision for the next 12 months? What, what are you looking to accomplish this year? There's a lot, you know, I've, I've started working with Drexel properties, which is you know property management company. And we, we have a number overhead to scale that thing tremendously. So it's scaling up into these larger apartment buildings and, and also finding third-party management and just really becoming, you know, what I set out to become, you know, let's call it three to four years ago, right? These two units, these four units, they're great. I, I love them. I will, I will continue to do them. I think forever, like just because we have such great housing stock. But challenging myself to take on things that, call it a year ago or two years ago, would have been scary, right? Th everything I take on, like it should scare me in some sense. Like that's kind of the the mindset I'm I went into 2023 with. Okay, this is interesting, man. So, ha is this a new mindset for you? Have you not thought this way in the past? Because I totally agree with you. If you're not outside of your comfort zone, you're not growing. So, I'm just curious what your thought process is there, because it sounds like it's kind of new for you to to get outside your comfort zone, at least as far as you're looking to go. It's not new, right? Like you're right. Like I've I've definitely lived outside my comfort zone. It, you get complacent, though, right? The the goalpost keeps moving, right? And so, like you get complacent. It's like, okay, can I push myself? further right if you go to the gym and it's you know you can run a mile in this time then this time then this time and then like can you throw an extreme time out there and hit it right and what do you have to do to do that then right you can't just keep show oh, i've been working out three times a week but now it's like okay you got to work out more times a week you have to do like whatever it is you know you got to add that to your plate to really you know push the dial Absolutely, man. Never stop improving. Um, that is something that yeah, don't get complacent. As you just said, that is the easiest way to destroy a business, essentially, is if you think you've made it and you don't have to work anymore. Um, that's when things start changing. The market is changing right now. So, um, yeah, I think you have the right approach, brother. So thank you so much for joining me, Tom. If the audience wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to get in touch or to connect with you? Yeah, I'll give a quick plug. We Again, this is a great podcast. Um, we also have ours, uh, Straight Up Chicago Investor. You can check us out. Subscribe to that. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I believe it's tshellcross723. Uh, I think it'll all be linked in the show notes. But yeah, uh, anyone have questions about investing in Chicago on the north and northwest side, by all means, more than happy to take the call and see if I can add any value. Tom Shellcross, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, please check out the Straight Up Chicago Investor podcast. I'm going to be listening to it later. And please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we are doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions in, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube are worth more than money to us. So please do what you can to support the show. We're doing this to help you guys. And remember, freedom is acquired one action at a time. Please pick no more than three of the strategies that we discuss on the show and take absolutely massive, imperfect action. Tell somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in and we will catch you on the next one.